This has been another hard week and a long series of hard weeks to put words together to preach, to render the lectionary scriptures into what one theologian calls a saving word. It's been hard to concentrate, know what I mean? Grief comes in many ways as shock, denial, numbness and disbelief, guilt, anger, reflection. 250 mass shootings this year of only 170 days so far. You know the names since 1999 from Columbine to Newtown to Charleston to Orlando to Chattanooga to Uvalde to Vestavia Hills, Alabama. Besides the hundreds that for whatever reason have gone unnoticed. In the wake of this and with all the others, there will be flags at half-mast. Moments of silence in legislatures and courts, just like all the other times. We will hear stories of courage and heroism. People will bravely return to the scenes of shootings to reclaim their spaces for good, as they will at St. Stephen's. As maimed runners on prosthetic legs returned to Boston to rekindle the spirit that bombers had tried to destroy in 2013. Unity and hope will swamp fear and hate for a time, but then the script always seems to go sideways and veer off track. These days, attacks of terror do not seem to unite us in action. They tear us apart. Violence, fear, fear and her ugly little friends still roam the streets, waiting for her acolytes, like certain preachers or politicians, to preach her message and gather disciples. Division, fear divides and conquers. Well, brothers and sisters, this week's gospel, it too is violent. This story of the demon-possessed man is shrouded in hostility and tension you can cut with a knife. It's a story of fear and how that affects what should have been a very happy ending. And yet, we may still find in this 2,000-year-old story that saving word we need for us in our time. Today's gospel is set in the hostile Gentile territory across from Galilee, the home base of Jesus' disciples. Jesus and his disciples have just crossed the Sea of Galilee in a small-ish fishing boat, Jesus having just the night before commanding a violent storm to be still. And no sooner have they stepped out of the boat than they encounter the demon-possessed man so strong chains and shackles cannot contain him. They are in a burial place among tombs, a place totally unclean by Jewish standards. There's a wild, supernaturally strong, naked man who refers to himself in the plural. The demons say they are legion, maybe 6,000 of them, that's the number in a Roman army legion. Not a place for nice Jewish people. The people in this man's community, the Gerasenes, the ones who have spent considerable time and expense trying to guard and control this man possessed by legion, are they amazed and awed by, grateful for Jesus' healing miracle? Not at all. They are seized with great fear. They ask Jesus to leave. 
They knew the evil present in the possessed man, and they could do things to contain and guard and control him. They'd learned to live with that evil, sort of managing it in a way. So is it really surprising that there is not unanimous joy at the arrival of a power greater than evil? These Jewish people's God disturbs a way of life they'd come to accept, even when it is for good. Power that can neither be calculated nor managed is frightening. Fred Craddock says, and he continues, the Gerasene people are not praising God that a man is healed. They're counting the cost, and they find it too much. But look, legion has not just been healed, as it says. That Greek word there tells us he has been saved. Salvation has come to this poor lost soul, outcast from polite society, from his community. And so at the crisis point, the point of judgment, the point at which things are about to change, either for the better or for the worse, the Gentile garrisons who've been caring for legion can either embrace the God who has healed and saved their comrade and restored him to usefulness among them, or not. But here's the real deal on judgment. It's a pretty big theological term, early and often misappropriated by religion. One of those bad teachings about judgment associates it exclusively with punishment, right? Punishment and judgment seem like intertwined. Instead of the space that's created when one is brought to judgment, either by oneself or by others, by the power of the Spirit. There are possibilities that suddenly appear at moments of judgment and the chance then to turn away from old ways and habits that do not love God and neighbor so that we can turn in a whole new direction. Judgment, to be judged by God, is to have the truth told to us about ourselves. What separates us, what divides us, as Jesus says, is whether we're willing to live in the truth or not. Because living in the truth is difficult, hard on friends or family members who don't particularly like being near somebody who's a good reflection of the light of God's judgment, like that healed garrison. They may not like what they see about themselves. Today's tale is the opposite of any of the healing stories where Jesus finds that one lost sheep or heals a man or a woman, doesn't just give back sight or speech or the ability to walk or even breathe. What happens is that they are restored to a community in those stories, restored to usefulness, restored to their place in a body. This is a cautionary tale today because that does not happen here. The cost of life and breath, wholeness, safety, it's a community cost. Does the community agree to the price, to the sacrifice they must make for the restoration of the one lamb to the flock? Here they do not. It's a price they do not want to pay, a price too high, they've decided. And so, nothing changes. When another tragedy happens to one of their own, they will shackle him or her, take bread and water. They just won't really want to change things. 
They won't have to deal with the order-upsetting power of God. But they'll have their pigs. I guarantee you that if you and I examine ourselves, we will come up with the ways in which we are afraid, deathly afraid. Often we're afraid of change and status quo. They say that when alcoholics, for instance, first give up drinking, they find themselves sabotaged by their own spouses because change is too scary, it's too disruptive. It makes the ones around the person who is changing for the better have to change too. And that sometimes is just exceedingly too costly. Even things that seem benign, from our children's beginning to drive, or date, or go to college, to new members and growth in a church and the hiring of a new minister, to social change on a bigger scale, even things, things that we might call good, when they begin to actually impact our lives, they cause discomfort, fear, dread. We'll have to make room for new people in our lives. We might, like the Gerasenes, ask Jesus to please leave. When Paul says, there is no longer Jew or Greek. There is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Those words are a little frightening, because without those categories to keep the lines drawn neatly, then where are we? Well, we're in some unknown territory where anything is possible. And that's both the terribly frightening news as well as the best possible. The good news, the gospel. God has set us upon the sure foundation of his loving kindness and will never fail to help us. From that place of security, God is always sending us out to the tombs of Gerasa, to the places of swords and the power of the dog and the lion's mouths, as the psalmist says, the familiar places full of hostile people in our daily routines, God is there saying, do not be afraid. The healed man proclaimed to a city that rejected him how much God had done for him. So I'm going to leave you with some words from Scripture beyond the ones in today's lectionary. These words won't erase grief. They won't lessen our call to act to make atrocities less likely, but they will offer us hope. And hope is the birthplace of faithful action, compassion, and resolve. Jesus said, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not let them be afraid. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Courage, my friends, and hope. Just now, we need them both. Amen.